0: Hi everybody, welcome to Packers Unscripted. We are on location at the NFL Scouting Combine in downtown Indianapolis from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by Wes Hodkowitz and Larry McCarron. Guys, yesterday was sort of the unofficial first day of the Combine even though the prospects aren't around yet, but it was the day to hear from the head coaches and general managers around the NFL. One of the key things that we heard from Packers GM Brian Gutekunst is really much the same what we heard last year here at this time when he was a first year GM in that he dropped some hints that the Packers are going to be pretty active in free agency. He stuck to his word last year. No reason not to believe him this year, right, Wes? Yeah,
1: here's the thing about this that I really like as far as Brian Gutekunst is concerned. They want to be involved in every conversation. That was something he said from his first news conference as the new GM of the Green Bay Packers last year, and it's something that he lived up to. Now, he said from day one, he's also cautioned that by saying it doesn't mean we're going to go out and sign everybody. doesn't mean we're going to trade for everybody, but if Kyle Fuller's out there on a restrictive you know, free agent contract, and they feel like they can get them. They're going to offer them, an ex- you know, a deal. They're going to go and try to maybe trade for a Khalil Mack. But here's the biggest thing for them: it's still draft and development. That's still the foundation of this thing. But if they can augment the roster with a few veterans here and there that makes sense, that's an avenue that Goodikuts wants to explore.
0: Yeah. Now, not every free agent signing is going to be a home run. The Packers were active last year, but. Mohammed Wilkerson, unfortunately, gets a season-ending injury in, in Week 3, Larry. We saw Byron Bell, he started half the season at right guard. He ends up going down with an injury. So nobody bats a 1,000 in this free agency game, but Brian Gudekunst is committed to using that as a tool to help out this Packers roster where he feels it needs the help.
2: Guys, I think what we're seeing is Brian Gutekunst is just being Brian Gutekunst. He is not Ted Thompson. He's got his own approach. He's not Ron Wolf. He's got his own approach. And I don't think from year to year and draft to draft and free agency to free agency, that's going to change dramatically. He wants to be, as you mentioned, in the conversation on guys. Now, not everybody is going to make sense. Not everybody is going to fit financially, but he's going to explore those opportunities. And I, really think at the end of the football day it's just Brian being Brian.
0: Yeah and I think one of the things about this too when you talk about him being in on every conversation it's about being prepared it's about doing all of the legwork and all the preparation in advance so that when things kinda get fast and furious so to speak in terms of the market and guys potentially signing and getting offers from elsewhere then the Packers are ready to pounce if it's the right opportunity for them.
1: Right and the exciting thing about this too is that Brian Gutekunst has been doing this for a really long time. Two decades spent in the Packers personnel department so you have to imagine I mean he had his eye on you know Jimmy Graham for years. I mean he had his eye on bringing back potentially Tremont Williams and and seeing what he could do and a guy like Muhammad Wilkerson who made sense based on his experience with Mike Pettin. Now a lot of things are lining up we're gonna see in about two and a half weeks here how this new free agent class is gonna look. The Packers this year the one drawback to making those moves they don't have a compensatory pick, but they also got three other picks that they're going to be able to work with to get them up to ten. So finding that perfect balance and also finding guys that could potentially come in here and find a role immediately is going to be the big chess match because as much as was made of Ted Thompson maybe not being a guy that explored free agency, he had a pretty high batting average when he did it go that route. When you look at Julius Peppers, Ryan Pickett, Charles Woodson, sure. even a guy like you know Eric Walden that came in and made an impact. Those are the kind of things that I'm looking forward to seeing with Brian Gutekunst. Not only just being there every single year, but maybe finding that one guy that could potentially put them over the top.
2: Yeah, Mike, I want to make a point about you mentioned preparation. Sure, this is the NFL, and we haven't cornered the market. The Green Bay Packers haven't cornered the market on brains, talent, or hard work. Okay, so everybody's prepared. The thing, the thing that separates you, have to be prepared to pull the trigger. Yeah, like you're going to have. All the studies done, but in your gut, you gotta have the courage and the wherewithal to pull the trigger. I think that's, that's more of a mindset than yeah. anything else. And I think last year certainly showed it. Brian Gudekins has that ability, that mindset, and a willingness to pull the trigger. And one
1: yeah. other thing I want to point out too, it isn't just about those five unrestricted free agency signed last year, it's also a guy like Bashad Breeland that gets brought in during the season, right no near question. the end of camp. It ends up being a guy that played a majority of their snaps down the stretch once the you know the soft tissue injuries cleared up. So things like that as well go a long way because it isn't always just about promoting the next guy from the practice squad, sometimes you've got to go out and find that veteran too.
0: Yeah, and it is about having the courage of your convictions when uh, when that opportunity is in front of you. Also, Ku said in a, a luncheon that we had with uh, with several print reporters. Um, over at Harry and Izzy's down the the street here from the convention center. He said he doesn't feel like he has to make any salary cap saving type of moves in order to do potentially what he wants to in free agency. He essentially committed to Jimmy Graham for another year at tight end. I know there had been some speculation out there that that, uh, there would be a salary cap move involving Graham. doesn't sound like that's going to happen. Still in wait and see mode as far as Randall Cobb and Clay Matthews, those guys with the expiring contracts, they're going to let that play out and just see what, uh, see whether they fit financially and all that, those things that Larry mentioned, whether or not the Packers bring those veterans back.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's all the conversations you have to have between now and then. I remember going back to 2014 or 2015, actually, after the 2014 season, right to the 11th hour with Randall Cobb and, and Brian Belaga. Not sure whether or not those guys are going to be back. They end up signing them right on the eve of the open free agency, uh, th- those guys going to market. So right. between now and then, so many things are going to happen. I think the biggest thing for the Packers right now is trying to, as Brian Gutekun said, getting as much information as they can about where this team is at, where the roster is at, and finding the right players that fit that vision for 2019 and beyond.
2: It's yeah. kind of funny, when it comes to decisions in football, they get made when they have to be yeah, made. Right. You talk about <laughs> the 11th hour, yeah. yeah, if we can take it up to that point, we'll take <laughs> we'll it. We'll do it. That yeah, that's,
0: that's often how it works in this yeah. business, for sure. Well, Another topic that we heard from both uh, the general manager and head coach Matt LaFleur on Wednesday was with regards to the running backs and wide receivers here with the Packers. And at running back, you have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, a one-two punch there. And Wes, Matt LaFleur talked a little bit about how he likes to have not just the workhorse back, but that combination of guys in the backfield, because last year, his first year as a play caller with the Tennessee Titans, that was really, really valuable to him to have two guys to turn to. Yeah,
1: absolutely, and and the thing that's interesting to me is all these guys, they, they come out of that Mike Shanahan coaching tree. His son, Kyle, was talking about that yesterday at the podium. But Mike always preferred going with a single back for the most part. Now they went through a lot of them over the years in Denver and even Alfred Morris in Washington, but he always liked feeding that one guy. The younger guys from this, when you look at what Kyle's done now in San Francisco when he was the play caller in Atlanta, multiple guys. You look at Matt LaFleur, multiple guys, and I thought he illustrated very well why he has that philosophy. Last year in Tennessee, Dion Lewis got the ball a lot in the first half of the season. Kind of starts to wear down. Then they feed Derrick Henry. It was kind of parallel to what happened here in Green Bay where Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams both had their moments, but neither guy was really featured for the entire 16-game schedule. I think you have to have that mentality. I think it's important to have that mentality. The Packers have isolated on those two guys as being the future of that position, and Matt LaFleur has plans for both of them.
0: Yeah.
2: And- you know what's kind of interesting is when Matt LaFleur talks about the Packers' personnel, you get a fresh perspective. Right. And you get more of an appreciation for what is here. And I know this is kind of broadening our topic just a bit, but Matt LaFleur, okay, he comes in first time head coach and, and sees sees what's in the uh, in the stable here. What do we got to work with? And and he mentioned this as the lunch was uh, going on. He we've got perhaps the best quarterback ever to play the game. That's nice place to start if you're coming yeah, in first. Nice place to start. Hey, what are the other things you really need offensively? What are the key pieces of that puzzle? Well, left tackle. We've got maybe the best in the business and David Bakhtiari. If not the best, one of the best, certainly. I yeah, mean, right. no question about it. And then another thing people covet around the National Football League, a true fide number one wide receiver. Right. Ooh, Devontae. Yeah. <laughs> so those are three critical pieces to the offensive puzzle that are sitting in Green Bay when Matt LaFleur walks in the door. Now those are really attractive commodities to build your offense around.
0: Yeah, and when you look at those wide receivers that are behind Devontae Adams, a lot of excitement, a lot of anticipation for what may happen in year two with the three wide receivers that the Packers added in the draft and were studying here last year in Indy, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, EQ St. Brown, Jamon Moore. Now we saw Valdez, Scantling, and St. Brown take a little bit of a step forward in their rookie seasons. They both made their share of big plays. Valdez Scantling had the most catches and yards of the bunch. But, uh, yeah, this transition to Matt LaFleur's offense now, we'll see what happens in that regard. But these guys are pros now. They've been through it. There are some expectations here that their game is going to rise to another level. Yeah,
1: and there's a chance, too. I mean, they're going to have to get pushed here because you have Geronimo Allison potentially coming back, though he is a restricted free agent. The Packers have drafted 12 different receivers in the last six years. So, I mean, there's a chance that, you know, they're going to go out and find another one in the draft, too. You have to be able to keep up with the pace of play in the NFL. The exciting thing about it, the Packers, drafted for size and speed last year with those three guys. Valdez-Scantling showed it immediately, he's a big play target, he's a guy that could potentially really challenge and stress a secondary with what he can do over the top. And then even Equinemius St. Brown, one thing that impressed me about him, showed a lot of versatility in terms of being able to play the boundary and also the slot during some of the times where the Packers were struggling with injuries in there. So those two guys, I think in particular, you have to be excited about what their upside could be in this offense.
2: I think it's kind of interesting towards the end of last season, Marquez Valdez-Scantling MVS, alphabet soup, you know. But M-E-Q, MVS. but anyway, uh, M-V-S says, you know, he's looking forward and there's going to be a new head coach and all that's becoming yeah. clear and he goes, you know what's going to be cool next year is everybody's a rookie, everybody's learning a new system right. yeah. instead mm-hmm. of us, you know, you kind of stick out like a sore thumb when you got totally. a bunch of veterans in the room, right. you know, with Randall Cobb and Devonta Adams and so forth and you're the rookies and you are got to learn everything and everybody else knows it, but now, Everybody, you know, looking at page one again, we're starting over to some extent. Again, you can't replace experience and those experienced guys do always have a leg up until you get three, four years in the league. But uh, I think it's a little different approach for the young fellows we're talking about. Yeah,
0: I would agree with you. And when you look at the running backs and wide receivers on the Packers roster, as excited as they are about them, certainly no guarantee or no message that the Packers are just standing pat at those positions. We could see the Packers potentially add at both of those spots here in the draft. Brian Gutekunst going into this draft with 10 picks.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you look at the the running back position, I think you're pretty well set there with what you do have with Aaron. Aaron Jones and also Jamal Williams, but last year proved with Capri, Capri Bibbs coming in, uh, you sometimes need that third option as well down the down the line. So that could be an area that depending on if they find a guy that could fit well into the system.
0: And Lafleur talked about the, the hits those running backs right. take and, and how they can wear down. It's, a, it's one of those things that sometimes even just two might not be enough. Right,
1: And as far as receiver... The big question slot i mean i think you do need a prototypical slot particularly in this offense uh, randall cobb is an unrestricted free agent we'll see how that plays out they have guys that can do it Devonte adams did it but i mean i still think you need to have a guy that's more fit for that spot on a down in and down out basis
2: to some extent right now the packer wide receiver core is real heavy in the big guy type receiver right. the type of receiver you can't bang around right. you can't muscle Generally speaking, bigger than the corners they play against. So, like, they've got a lot of that body type right now. It'll be interesting to see if they expand what's in the toolbox of receiver as a draft and free agency go on.
0: Yeah, and when you look at the top of this draft, the Packers going into it with a tremendous opportunity here. However you want to look at it, the first three picks for Brian Gutekunst are in the top 44 of this draft because of that trade with the New Orleans Saints in the draft last year to get the extra first rounder, and then six of the first 10 picks are in the first four rounds and you could see yesterday, Wes, when we were talking to Brian Gutekunst at lunch, how excited he is about the opportunity and how important this draft really could be for the future of the Packers. Yeah, it's
1: a kid walking into a candy store and his mom telling him he can have whatever he wants. I mean, it's the situation every general manager in the league really, you know, craves and the thing that's interesting about the two picks, I I ran the old Jimmy Johnson uh, draft value chart on it. I mean, those two picks, you you bundle them up together, that can even get you to number four uh, based on the value of it. so, I mean, there's some maneuverability there involved as well in terms of what they want to do. If there's a guy that they like, if they don't feel like it's last year's draft where you can move back from 14 and still have two or three guys that you really, you know, covet five or six picks down the line, you know, maybe go up and find someone. So this is the earliest they've picked since 2009. I can't even recall the last time they had two first-round picks going into a draft, Yeah, uh, let alone being able to, uh, you know, kind of put the board up and, and start to play around with it. So R- Ron been...
0: Wolf had that in his first draft in And he got rid of it. But- well, yeah, he got yeah. a quarterback named Brett Favre <laughs> with one of those first round picks.
2: I was talking to Brian yesterday during an interview we were doing for another program. And I don't know how, how you guys feel about it, but last year at the draft, when he picked up that extra number one and still drafted Jairi Alexander, <laughs> yeah. okay, I think so. I mean, last year when he, when he did it, when he made the move, it was cool. Yeah. Hey, wow. <laughs> and But it's kind of down the road. Now that it's this year, And he's got two number ones, whether he uses them, deals them, what have you. Going into the draft with that kind of ammunition, ammunition, now it is really, it is smoking cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. well, the Packers sitting at number 12 with their first pick, as Wes mentioned, the highest slot they've had since 2009, which was when they took B.J. Raji at number 9 overall. Gutekunst was asked about, well, will you potentially trade back again like last year? The opportunity at number 12 could be a really really big time player he suggested it would take maybe something really significant right. in order to move back which maybe means he'd trade and pick up another first rounder next year I mean who knows yeah. right right I mean you always have that
1: possibility out there I think mm-hmm. the biggest thing for the Packers right now whether it's one whether it's two, whatever ends up shaking out they have to find playmakers they have to find difference makers and this is looks to be a draft based on what we've seen so far through the end of February that could do it
0: yeah all right well with that we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers unscripted we'll be back with a couple more shows here from the scouting combine in indianapolis thanks for tuning in everybody we will see you next time